Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? gentlemen, paratruthers, paratruth enthusiasts, and just paranormal seekers. Welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Kind of felt like uh, Scott there for a second because he goes on this huge rant like that. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So tonight kicks off our Christmas holiday season for Paratruth Radio. Uh, We've got actually three episodes this month instead of the two, or I guess it's been in comparison to the month because we've had three sometimes and then two. Um, But uh, we're doing three episodes this month. Uh, One today it will be releasing, and then uh, we've got two more uh, one just before Christmas, one just before New Year's. Um, so we're going to have some pretty awesome shows this month. Um, did you have any uh, uh, housekeeping? Uh, no, I don't think I have any. I think we're good right now. All right. Well, I think that uh, this this episode should be really interesting and different for you guys. Uh, we decided to try and do something that we have not done in the past, now almost four years doing Paratruth Radio. Um, we're doing bull. Uh, I guess it's a, a duo episode. Uh, Haunted Christmas, Yuletide Tales of Ghosts and Spirits. And then uh, we've got five creepy movies that are set during Christmas time. So I found this article on liveabout.com. This episode or this uh, article goes into several ghost stories that are real ghost stories by, by real people. Not like last year where we did kind of like campfire stories for, for Christmas time. Um, but uh, it was it's actually really interesting. It goes kind of all around the place here. Uh, but the first one that I thought was actually relatively creepy and interesting, so I wanted to share it. Uh, it's from a gal named Paulina. And uh, she talks about uh, when she was younger, uh, she was she lived in all or she was living in Australia at the time. And um, so her and her friends were doing high and go seek around. Christmas holiday season in a graveyard, no less. And that in and of itself is, is a creepy way to be celebrating your, your holiday. But, um, so they're doing, they're playing hide and go seek and the, the, the gentleman, the boy that was it, uh, went searching for his, his friends, uh, decided to go into a church because he thought that's where his brother was hiding and saw a boy standing at the altar. Uh, when he went to go tap the boy on the shoulder to make him it, the boy, the boy disappeared and the young boy fainted. Uh, when they finally, when, when he finally came to, he started yelling. Uh, his friends came to him and they took him home. Um, shortly after that, uh, the boy was ill quite often and, uh, he, from the sounds of it, he never really got over it. So whatever was haunting that church made him physically ill. 
Now, Eric, you and I have talked about that quite often on Paratruth Radio about how the spirit can uh, affect the physical. So that's mm-hmm. actually, that was one of the more interesting ones. Uh, the next one I got here was from a someone calling themselves Scarlet Dragon. They lived in Bloomington, Indiana at the time. It was 2008. Uh, and they lived with their sister and brother-in-law. They had had a get-together for Christmas dinner, uh, and the family left, uh, the respective brother and brother-in-law and sister, and then that person went to their bedrooms to go to bed. Oddly enough, at 7 p.m., which struck me as kind of odd, but um, during that time, it does get dark at night, and it sounds like this person worked early morning. Uh, so they, they go to bed, they bring their dog with them, and they shut their door, and uh, just randomly the door opens. Now, the thing about the door, which they go into detail in this article, is that the the door was broken, and you had to wiggle the the latch the the doorknob a certain way so that the latch caught. Uh, so for the door to come open and and not make any noise was a little odd because it would make noise when you had to do this. Uh, they went out to investigate to see if uh, the brother-in-law or the sister was was trying to enter because nobody had said anything when the door opened um, because then it also actually closed itself as well. Uh, so they went out and investigated, uh, looked down the hall where the uh, brother and uh, the brother-in-law and sister were uh, sleeping, and uh, they were they were still sleeping, no movement whatsoever. Uh, so the next morning, she asks the brother-in-law, you know, what did you want last night? And the brother-in-law says, I never got up, and I certainly never opened your door. I slept soundly the whole time I was in bed. And then they ask the sister, uh, you know, did you want something last night? And the sister says, I dozed off on, off and on, but I never got out of bed. I never saw or heard anything in the hallway. So, again, and this one was, seemed like it was a little uh, less ominous than the first one. Because uh, it doesn't say anything about anybody getting sick afterward or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> so this next story is actually by uh, someone who goes by V Page. Uh, it's called the Ghostly Christmas Crest, and it happened around 1995 or 1996 at Christmas time in North Dakota. And apparently, this girl V Page, her cousin was walking up the the driveway uh, from the street because she was going to visit for Christmas. And she looked in the window and ended up seeing her uncle. Uh, I think it was just her uncle and the girl, her 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 cousin, uh, sitting at the table. And then she saw someone sit standing next to her cousin, and somebody else standing in the corner of the room as well. So she proceeded to walk up the driveway, up the stairs, opened the door, and walked in. Said her hellos as she normally does, and then sat down at the table for dinner. Well. While she was there, uh, she was actually, you know, confused about who the other two people were because she hadn't seen them around since she had walked through the door. And so she turned to her cousin and asked, hey, who were the two people standing in the room when I got here? And her cousin said, there weren't anybody else but me and my uncle here. And the girl, Paige, thought that was weird and said no 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 there were two people standing here one was standing next to you a woman playing with her hair i thought it was your mom and there was somebody else in the corner and again their cousin said no she was very puzzled and trying to piece things together but just no there was nobody else here so they're thinking about it all of them uh the two of them the uncle uh were sitting there trying to figure out what it could be and they don't really know exactly for sure but uh, they assume that whoever it was standing next to them was probably not Paige's mom, but her cousin's mom, who had actually passed away on her birthday a week before Christmas back in 1992. And her mom used to actually sit there and play with the girl's hair, uh, just like this 
person seemed to be doing when Paige is walking up the stairs. Uh, and all they could assume was that must be what it was. It had to be their mom. They don't know who the second person was. They never figured that out. But uh, interestingly enough, this happens or something weird like this happens every single Christmas when everybody's together. The cousins and the and the mom and the or I'm sorry, I was gonna say the mom, but the aunts and the uncles are like their parents to them. Um, so when they're all together, something like this happens, and they always see something or experience something paranormal. Now, at the time, they were only 12 or 13 years old, which is really interesting because again, we've talked about this on Parachute about how kids seem to be more in tune to the spiritual world mm-hmm. at that age than many adults. And in this case, her cousin didn't see anything, and neither did the uncle there could be a number of reasons why that is but it's very possible that Paige, in this case was very much more in tune or at least vulnerable to the idea of something being present even if she wasn't fully aware of such a thing Uh, and i think that's really interesting about a lot of people in general you know so many people who don't believe in ghosts and then they see one and you have to wonder like well most of us see them because we believe to some extent but how do we see it when we don't believe, you know, especially when you think about scientists who are always saying, well, the only reason ghosts exist is because you think they exist. They're not really there. It's just your mind playing tricks out of you. Uh, right. But when those skeptics suddenly see something, that kind of causes them to question the whole idea of, hey, it's just your mind playing tricks out of you. So I don't know. In this case, it's, it's weird, of course, as all ghost stories are. Uh, but this is definitely an eerie one because you're thinking, you know, I don't know about you. But uh, if I walked in or if you walked into my house and asked me, hey, who was that person that was just touching your hair? And I'm like, there was nobody here. But you're insistent that there was. I mean, that's a little creepy, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting story. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of along the lines of like the story I've told about uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer house. If mm-hmm. at that same exact time I felt the touch, somebody's like, who the heck is that? I'm like, no, there's nobody here. There's nobody here. And they would insist. I'm like, oh, crap. But that's because <laughs> of the background we have, too. Like, if somebody were to be insistent on, no, there was somebody there. But as a young kid um, or or an adult talking to a young child, maybe you've never done paranormal investigations or, you know, whatever, um, I don't know. To me, if you don't have any connection to the paranormal or you don't believe in it or whatever, it's hard for you to believe that a kid has seen something that's not there. Uh, even if right. you understand, you know, kids have wild imaginations and that sort of a thing. Um, it, it's a little bit hard to understand something outside the realm of normal. So, right. But the uh, next one here. And uh, I guess we can kind of switch back and forth between the both of us on these now. Um, sure. This one was actually kind of interesting to me because uh, it, actually it talks about seeing Santa. Uh, it's a scale named Misty. Uh, she says when she was about nine living in Texas, she had uh, always wondered if her parents had some something to do with the gifts that she would get from Santa. So the one night, um, the the one Christmas rather, uh, she saw, um, a gentleman who she thought was Santa Claus dressed in a red and white getup. Uh, strangely, she could see the Christmas lights from the Christmas tree shining through him. Uh, he was taking down the stockings and put, uh, putting them on the mantle or from the mantle to the coffee table. And, uh, when he started to turn around to put the next stocking on the table, she closed the door and jumped into bed. The next morning she woke up and told her sister what she had saw. Uh, and she told her where he had been, had put the stockings when they went to the, into the living room, the stockings were where she said they had been put. Uh, they both turned and looked at each other and froze for a moment from then on. She told, uh, she had to tell everyone about her Santa story. 
So the literal spirit of Christmas, Santa, was <laughs> in her house. <laughs> There's a lot. Like when you think of, I know like when I was a kid, there was like a lot of, like you always wish to see Santa. You know, you hope to, right. to see something. And actually it's really interesting because there was one time and to this day, I still don't know, and my parents won't say anything or tell me, or I don't even. Sometimes they don't even remember, you know. I mean, right. getting older. But <laughs> uh, one morning, uh, way back, they we got up for for Christmas, you know, ready to open the gifts and everything, which we did. And then I was told we were told to come outside in the backyard to see something. And we walked back there, and on the ground where you know on the on the pavement. Uh, it was covered in snow, and there were two tracks, sleigh tracks, and a bunch of deer prints spread across the entire backyard. What's interesting about it is there were no footprints whatsoever around those tracks. You would consider and think, oh, if there's somebody who was obviously doing this in the snow, there should be footprints as well. So I don't know how it happened. I don't they somehow did some crazy you know work throughout the night to get it just right i know they probably had our neighbor involved um but they haven't said so now i also still to this day wonder could it have actually been santa claus and i'm just you know trying to to doubt that uh because you never know i mean i believed in santa claus a lot when i was a kid and i'm just thinking like nowadays you know i don't believe it anymore but why who knows you never know. Right. Santa might exist, you know, somewhere. I mean, maybe he doesn't take gifts to everybody, but maybe he takes them to somebody. I don't know. No, I mean, I'm I'm still a true believer that uh, the the spirit of Christmas, the the spirit of Santa. I mean, we act this way a certain way, and you know, a lot of people are are Christians that celebrate christmas and that's the reason mm -hmm. for for it um but a lot of people take on the mantle of saint nicholas who was a giver and you know in i th i truly believe that uh, somehow some way we all have santa claus inside of us whether that's what you think of as a, as a spirit or just the that mental image and we take it to that level of wanting to give in order to mm -hmm. have people uh, be thankful. Yeah. And, it, you know, and it's really, it is really interesting because, you know, you're hearing the songs and everything like that, that Christmas is basically the joyful time of season. You know, this whole, mm -hmm. everything leading up between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And statistically speaking, when you look at how people act around Christmas and during the month of December, everyone's most everyone i shouldn't say everyone because there are scrooges out there but most everyone seems to have an elevated sense of joy and like you said giving and just in a sense respect everyone's more kind during this this mm. part time of the season uh, than they are the rest of the year uh, which is really interesting and so maybe there is something somewhat paranormal to that if there is a literal spirit of christmas out there or if right. it's just simply all the media, you know, hyping it because we, you know, we we don't see scary movies as often around Christmas as we do in Halloween, and we're not seeing like, you know, all the you know everything we see is like these joyful Christmas movies, um, and those old cartoons that we grew up with. So it, it's really it is really interesting when you consider the statistics behind uh, how people act or react uh, around this time of year. Right. <clears throat> so. This next one is called Santa and the Elf, and I absolutely love this person's name. Uh, obviously, I'm sure it's not the real name. If it is, that's even cooler. <laughs> but it goes by Skitty S. Cat. And uh, Skitty Cat? Skitty Cat, man. I don't, I don't know. I just like it. Skitty Cat. Well, so it's uh, Skitty Scat. Then it takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Skitty scat, skitty scat, skitty scat, Yeah, it's so weird. So I could say that forever the rest of the night. Um, 
So this particular story happened around uh, Seattle, Washington on Christmas Eve of 1957 or 58. Uh, now, the story was told later, which is, you know, a lot of these stories are told later, which is why you're hearing right. two years because no one can really remember the exact year. Um, but in this particular case, Skitty Scat, uh, her mom was at the kitchen window when she yelled for her and her sister, uh, both of which were around ages five and seven, to come look at whatever it is she was looking at. They ran to the window, looked out, and what do you know? They saw Santa and an elf carrying a big brown bag walking down the middle of the street. Now, her dad went running out of the door to see if, she could, if he could, uh, could catch Santa and ask him to come over and say hi to the kids, uh, basically to say Merry Christmas. And by the time he got to the street, Santa, the elf, and the big brown bag seemed to have just vanished. They were nowhere to be found, just disappeared. End of story. Now, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, there, there's there's some debunking here that can be done, and you can probably <laughs> assume that there's, you know, a number of reasons why whoever it was they're going to find isn't there anymore. But it very well could have been somebody who just, you know, wriggled their nose a bit and. Pfft, disappeared you know like i dream of genie <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's a good that was a good show the movie sucked anything <laughs> yeah. with wolf Ferrell isn't very great in my opinion but i do like let me explain we, we said there are plenty of movies that he does really good when they're meant to be comedies but right. Movies like Ajima Genie, which has so much more to it than simple comedy, is one of those where it's just like, man, just doesn't do justice for the original <laughs> actors, you know, the original right. story. Well, I mean, on top of that, um, anything that is what you would call a, a reimagining or remake of something, a lot of times never holds up to the original thing. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, no, I completely agree. Uh, so, of the chilling adventures of sabrina on netflix i wanted to love it so much and honestly i i still watch it i'll continue to watch it uh, when the next season comes out but they're just elements of it that are really disappointing and personally but the biggest disappointment was my favorite character who doesn't talk or do anything and that's right. salem he just he's there for a moment and then he's gone and like it was i was so excited because when they first introduced salem in that in that show he like transformed into a giant shadow demon to take down a threat that was going to harm Sabrina. Right. And then he transformed back into a cat real fast. And that was the only time you ever seen him transform. He never comes to help any other time in the rest of the two seasons that they made. He doesn't talk. He doesn't, you know, we know that those familiars talk because at the end of, I think the first season it was, cause there were two halves the first season. Mm -hmm. Um, the crow, who was the familiar of Lilith, actually spoke to her at the end of the season. So we know that they can talk, but Salem hasn't done it yet. And I'm hoping so much that he starts talking um, and that we'll see more of him. But I think what's the most disappointing part about it is the reason we don't see him more often. And it's because the girl who plays Sabrina is allergic to cats. Yeah. And I'm like hire somebody who's not allergic to one of the main characters of the Sabrina comics. Like, uh, sorry for my rant. I'm just, or here, take it. a Benadryl, get over it. <laughs> like for real, like, geez. <laughs> and I think, I think and I get, um, she, she kind of looks the part. She does, but huh? Yeah. I think Salem talks at the very, like when they first introduce him. Like saying no he I, didn't. I, in the in the chilling adventures, yeah, no, he never talked, not once. Huh. I could have sworn that he introduces himself, and that's when he turns into the cat, and then you don't hear him talk ever again. No, no, the cat is uh, just appears on its own. It's that's like given to her when she becomes uh, a witch, or like more of a full fledged witch. I mean, oh. um, he just shows up, and then she's told oh that's your familiar um and then all witches get them <clears throat> so huh i don't know 
Well, Believe me, if he talked, I would have you... known. I would have wouldn't be yeah. ranting. I'd be ranting and raving, but I'd be saying, he talked one time and never again. Like, I don't know why they're doing this, but they're ruining my childhood and they're ruining the <laughs> comics. The show is decent, a little long. For some reason, when I watch an hour, it's only an hour long. But right. for some reason, when you watch it, it feels like three hours. And I'm, no. I know why. The pacing is yeah. horrible. But right. it's just like, geez. I can literally go yeah. on the rest of the episode. <laughs> I'm going to do well, two episodes on this. Just why, why don't you take the last story so you can get off your rant? <laughs> Jeez. Um, okay, so <clears throat> this one is by Carrie Kay. And it is called Santa at the Bedroom Door. Now, in this case, it was Christmas Eve of 1961. And Carrie was living in Boardman, Ohio. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. I have no idea where Boardman is. I've never even heard of it. So yeah, it's probably somewhere down south would be my guess. Uh, but her bedroom was at the end of the house and she'd gone to sleep. She didn't know what time it was, but she knew it was very late. And all of a sudden, she woke up. Uh, and when she woke up, she was staring at her door, which was Caddy Corner from her bed. Now, as she was doing that, the door slowly opened, and of course, being younger, she pretended to close her eyes because she didn't want her mother or her father to catch her up in the middle of the night. I still do that when my dad decides <laughs> to walk and knock on my door at like <laughs> nine o'clock at night to see, ask me something. Anyway, I'm, you know, hey. Um, <laughs> and there was a nightlight in the hallway and one behind the dresser in her room. So there was a little bit of light. So she could kind of maybe see who was there. However, she was completely astonished by who it was that opened the bedroom door. She found herself looking at a man dressed in a red suit. He had a white trim uh, around his waist, like fur, a long white beard, and was wearing a Santa hat. He had red pants and black boots. Now he stood there and looked at her for a few seconds, then slowly closed the door. And disappeared, basically. Now, she pulled the blankets over her head because she was scared at that point. I mean, Santa or not, it's still a stranger in your house, right? Mm. Um, and then finally decided to look to see if anyone was still in the room, but there was no one there. The next day, she asked her mother if she or her father had been out of bed the previous night, and her mother said no. In fact, her sister was only four months old, and her mother told her that she'd slept through the night for the first time since her sister was born. Um, now, neither of her parents had gotten up. Both of them were tired, and they both slept. So she didn't know who or what looked in the bedroom at night. Now, when she told her mother that she'd seen Santa, she got really mad. Her mother, that is, got really mad at her and told her that she had not seen Santa. But, of course, Carrie Kay knows what she saw, and that was indeed Santa Claus, and she swears to this day that it did happen and she knows she wasn't dreaming. Which is kind of odd for a parent. You would think that if you want your kids to believe in Santa, you would not get angry with them when they said they saw Santa. Well, and so you have to wonder what their child was childhood was like. Maybe <laughs> her parents were one of those who just told their kids that they didn't. I mean, I had friends who knew or were told around five years old that there was no Santa because their parents don't want to, do that you know I, I know you know obviously there's christians out there who definitely do it well just, right you know and it's just like fine you know that, that's their belief or whatever but you know the people are out there they'll do it they'll they'll tell the kids from the beginning they want to knock all that out uh, right away so it's very right. possible that it's a type of life this girl was living and maybe her parents just didn't want her believing in that kind of thing that could be i guess it, it... I guess it just strikes me as odd, like, so it, it's hard for me to, to understand, but, um, so the, the next part of this episode, it, I, I Googled stuff and somehow just came up with these, these two things I wanted to talk about. Uh, five horror films you might have forgotten were set around Christmas time. So one similar to apparently one Eric just watched, which I'll have him tell you guys in a minute here. 
uh, is Jaws the Revenge. Apparently, this was set around Christmas time. Um, you don't think of it as a Christmas film, but because it's set around Christmas time, sure, why not watch it during Christmas? <laughs> uh, number two, uh, it actually stars one of our favorite actors, Bruce Campbell, called Maniac Cop 2, which I've never heard of this movie, so n now that I know it has Bruce Campbell in it, I think I'm going to have to watch it. Uh, number three is actually a 2007 French horror film called Inside. Um, I'll, I'll describe this one because since it's probably not one that's really well known, uh, doesn't exactly make for a family-friendly viewing around the holidays, but what you may not remember is that it's set on Christmas Eve. Alone in her house just four months after losing her husband in a car wreck, the pregnant Sarah is tormented by a mysterious woman with a vendetta. Nothing about Inside really screams Christmas, but when you consider that it's a film primarily centered on a baby being born on Christmas Day, that's pretty much the story of Christmas in a nutshell, is it not? Well, not when you're being tormented by a woman, but hey, whatever. Um, number four, which Eric is probably going to roll his eyes at, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, <laughs> which he mm -hmm. discussed last episode about how ridiculous it is is the paranormal activity is still going. Um, and the last one is The Conjuring 2, uh, which is also not necessarily a Christmas movie, uh, but it is set around the Christmas holiday season. So Eric told me about a Christmas mo horror movie, apparently, that he just recently watched. So I wanted him to share with you guys this very interesting movie. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, I, I like watching sci-fi <clears throat> sci movies, in particular their B-movies, which is pretty much all the movies on, oh, that's not true anymore. Sci-fi changed their, their schedule a little bit. But old sci-fi would always play B-movies, and we all know what those B-movies are. You know, probably the easiest one to mention so that everyone knows what I'm talking about is Sharknado. There's a B-movie. So I was just bored i was eating dinner at my sister's house and i was flipping through the sci-fi app uh on roku and sure enough i came across a christmas movie called santa jaws naturally <laughs> i wasn't going to pass that up so i pressed play and um as many b movies this one was a little weird to begin with the acting wasn't very good whatsoever uh, and it had some just odd moments, of course. But basically, Santa Claus was really angry at a woman who was tied up on a pair on a pier uh, over a body of water, like a bay. And apparently, he was going to kill her. Don't know why, but Santa was angry. Apparently, um, and of course, Santa wasn't wearing his normal getup. He had a hat on and a wife beater, or you know, a white tank top. Wife Peter's a slang name for those of you who don't know. Um, horrible. I know. It's a horrible name. Anyway, he's about to kill her when all of a sudden her friend shows up, boyfriend, something, husband, and pushes Santa into the water. Santa, who's now failing for his life, is suddenly gobbled up by a great white shark. And somehow the spirit of Christmas is then embedded into the white shark. Suddenly, the shark has glowing red eyes like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Its teeth and its tail are wrapped in Christmas lights. And its dorsal fin, of course, has a Santa hat on it. <laughs> so, as if it wasn't weird enough, every time Santa, or every time Jaws shows up, you know, you get the normal ding-ding, ding-ding, right? Not so much in this case. In this case, you happen to get Christmas bells. So every time the shark is coming along, you get Christmas bells that they can hear that are somehow tied to the shark. Don't know how that works because the shark's in water, and I'm pretty sure you can't hear the bells jingle while it's underwater and you're above the water. But nonetheless, that happened. Um, the shark also was attracted to anything Christmas. You couldn't lure him unless you're playing Christmas music, talking about Christmas, or hanging lights, or baking Christmas cookies or pretty much anything that had to deal with Christmas. If you're doing it with Christmas, you're going to get eaten by a shark. <laughs> now, the shark, of course, went ahead and killed everybody in the most 
redundant way. Um, some of it was mainly, most of it was mainly just people falling in water. You know, until the end when the shark decided he's going to jump out of the water and start killing people. But at one point, he ends up killing a woman. Um, and at that point, I guess he killed enough people to earn his stripes <laughs> in almost a literal sense. Because uh, all of a sudden, some confetti falls out of the sky, poofs, blows up into a ball of smoke, and then suddenly a giant candy cane shaved into a spear is born. And this thing's probably about six feet long and is suddenly attracted to the shark's head. And it flies down, sticks him into the skull, and it gets stuck there. And all of a sudden, he's got a candy cane horn that he's going to use to impale the rest of his victims, which he does. <laughs> Needless to say, picturing a giant great white shark with a candy corn or with a candy cane horn, a Santa hat. Blowing teeth and a tail and jingle bells hanging from who knows where. I don't even want to know where, but they were somewhere. I didn't see them, but they would sound. Um, killing people left and right always makes for a good B movie. So if you're interested in seeing something like that, Santa Jaws, folks, on Sci-Fi Channel. So the bad guy actually wins in the end? No, of course not. That wouldn't oh, work. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I could give away the ending. In fact, here, I will give away the ending. Spoiler alert for those of you who want to watch uh, the show, as if I didn't spoil enough already for you. I might as well just spoil <laughs> yeah. the rest of it. Um, so it turns out that this Jaws was created by this kid who wrote him into a comic book because the kid is a very good artist and he draws comic books. Um, he was given a magic pen or found a magic pen, I can't remember, I think he was given a magic pen by his uncle. And when he drew the shark with the magic pen, it brought the shark to life and killed his whole family and his friends. And then he realized the only way to fix it was to rewrite the ending of the story in which he dies, the shark that is, dies. And so sure enough, he rewrites the story and writes that suddenly his entire family came back to life and it was as if nothing happened. And so the shark of course, dies. Blub, blub, blub. It's the sound he makes as he falls to the bottom of the water. Um, and the kid wakes up in bed, goes downstairs, and his whole family is there celebrating Christmas. They don't know anything. Of course, he knows it. Goes across the street to see his friend. She doesn't know a thing, but she's got his comic book that he then takes and burns because we can't let that come in back to life. <laughs> and then he's about to burn the pen as well. But he did the only thing that anybody with a reasonable mind would do. And I'm one of those people. He kept the pen instead of destroying it. <laughs> because you never know when you want to bring something cool to life. The end. <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, I would still actually probably watch it, even though you, you gave it all away just to see the <laughs> ridiculousness of the movie. But... <laughs> Definitely an interesting story, to say the least. So um, I hope you guys have enjoyed the the stories we've shared and the movies that uh, we've we've shared as well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Hey, everyone. I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. Join me the last Sunday of every month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, Tune in, iTunes, Spotify, and Paranormal Radio. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. 
And we have been kicking off Christmas early this year. We have a whole month of Christmas-themed content for you guys, and this one was all about Christmas stories, true stories in particular. Um, after that, we ended up talking about a few horror films that happened to happen around Christmas time. Happened to happen. I don't get to say that very often. <laughs> and, of course, I went ahead and spoiled an entire movie for you, but you should still check it out if you feel like being slightly bored and yet amused at the same time. I mean, normally when we go, when we get to the end of this, of the episode, we always talk about um, what it is about anything we've talked about that you learned or that you liked the most. Mm. I'm not going to do that this time around. I think we're going to skip that because why not? Instead, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. And this is a question you really, I don't think, can get wrong. And that question is, being that we are now in the first week of December, what would you like for Christmas? Oh, what would I like for Christmas? For my next book to be a number one bestseller. <laughs> I swear that was not me <laughs> choking over that. I happened to drink ginger beer at the same time. I swear. <clears throat> That was a heck of a coincidence, though. <laughs> <coughs> um, sorry, folks. So, <laughs> number one bestseller. Then. Even though it's not going to be out by Christmas. Right. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, that works. That could also be... I guess you can't really... You could do wishes for New Year's. Yeah, you could. I don't know. Um could. I, Realistically, though, um, I don't know. I, you know, my wife's asked me about it. My in-laws have asked me, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And like, I, I kind of have everything I need. Um, what would be cool is like a cool pen set. You know, I am a writer and it'd be kind of cool to have like the old traditional um, quill pen or not quill pen. Um pen knives and ink where mm. you, you mm -hmm. kind of do calligraphy with it um, or, or do your own writing. Um, and even a, a really interesting uh, handmade like journal or notebook or something to, to do writing in. But uh, I mean, that that's pretty much it. More, more novelty stuff than something I actually need because right. I, I do have everything I truly need. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I think I'm in that same, I think a lot of us are in that same boat this year, at least in, in our family. Um, especially since most of the things that I need are way too expensive that I would have rather to ask anyone for. <laughs> Those are things that I aren't even out yet that I have to wait for, like cameras and stuff like that uh, to help, you know, business. Um, Is there a specific camera you're looking for? I am waiting on the Sony Alpha uh, 7S3. Uh, so right now they That's have the 7S2 specific. out. <laughs> it is very specific. It is. So, I mean, for years I've been considering a camera, like since film school, uh, and I've mm, yet to buy right. one for the simple reason that I wasn't quite sure which route I wanted to go. There was a Panasonic GH4 when I was in school, and right around graduation, the GH5 came out, and both of those cameras are very good for filmmaking. Um, However, they're a micro four-thirds sensor, which means it, there's a crop factor for all the lenses that you use. So, for example, if you use a 25-millimeter lens, the crop factor makes it a 50-millimeter lens. So you have to do math in order to use the lenses unless you get a speed booster, which costs like $300. So that's just more money on top of it. Right. Um, and I just I don't want a micro four-thirds camera. Not really. Uh, so when I was in... And there's like other one, like the Blackmagic pocket camera came out. I remember talking about that uh, one, yep. Yeah, I tested that out in, in Atlanta. A, a buddy of mine has it. Uh, I didn't really like it. just wasn't for me. A uh, little too bulky and just didn't have the picture quality that I really wanted uh, for my type of filmmaking. Uh, especially since I film everything very dark, since I tend to work with horror and thrillers and things like that. Um, however, two of my other friends... They both own the Sony A7S II, and the Sony A7S II 
is the number one camera on the market for low light production. Uh, this is something you could basically shoot with virtually very little to no light and still be able to get a good picture. Um, so it's basically built for filming in the dark. Now I wanted to get one at the time. I didn't have money. Now I do. Uh, but the a seven S three was supposed to come out or at least be announced, uh, this past fall. It wasn't. And now it's rumored that's going to be announced at the beginning of like around January or uh, February, apparently. And hopefully it will be released soon. They've been holding off on releasing it for a while now. They just released the A9. Um, but it's supposed to still be the number one camera for low light production. Um, it's already, based on rumors alone, considered the best camera that you can get as a filmmaker. Independent filmmaker especially. It's an expensive camera, so we're looking at probably around three grand for it. Plus lenses. That doesn't include the lens. But for the last two years, that's the camera I've been wanting and waiting for. So I've been kind of holding off and just like, yeah, I could buy this camera now, but I will. I'll just wait for the for the S3. So yeah, that's that's my big purchase that I'm going to be making once it's released. Um, well, for all of you uh, independent filmmakers that haven't completely fallen asleep at this point, um, definitely <laughs> probably something to check out. Um, cause, and that's the one thing I miss about your, your podcast that you were doing with, uh, James is it gave a lot of information about, um, about independent filmmaking as a mm -hmm. whole. I mean, the entire industry, but independent making specifically. So I do hope that at some point you get to that point where you can start doing a show like that again. Cause I think there's a lot of people out there that don't even go to school for filmmaking, which I mean, oh, obviously yeah. I think you should, but there are a lot of independent uh, filmmakers out there that don't go to school at all ever and mm -hmm. have decent film films out there. So um, I think at some point um, even under the new lantern, uh, umbrella you you should definitely have another show that touches on that um because i think there was a lot of good information there yeah for sure and then, i mean we've talked about you and i have talked about it uh recently actually in the past recent past about the best options of bringing a show like that back uh or, or to new lantern i don't think all the hats is going to be it because like i said uh, my co-host isn't really interested in doing it via the way we do it we're in two separate well, states right I, I mean i think um, i think you need to make it your own um because yeah, it was so, one between you and another co-host so you have to right. reinvent the wheel oh for sure uh, and so that's just something i need to figure out. i think the biggest thing is like obviously the 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 content is pretty simple to come by for me that's something that can be done easily right. The biggest issue is finding that co-host, who it is that I'm going to mesh well with, uh, work well with, and be able to, sh you know, share this stuff with everybody uh, through the New Lantern uh, label. So, hopefully, I find whoever that is eventually. I, I have a few people in mind. I just don't know if they're willing or interested in doing any podcast. But if so, right. maybe I can at least do it. Start it off as a monthly thing, like Crime Crack, uh, and then go from there. Because I know that there are plenty of our listeners who are listen who listen to all the hats and are interested in hearing more and me bringing it back. So that's something maybe I'll do soon. I'll, I actually have to talk to some of those people I have in mind. Uh, maybe I'll send some texts tonight or tomorrow. But yeah. So. And if you're interested, uh, email us at newlanternmedia1 at gmail.com. And maybe Eric will consider you as a co-host for his new yeah. podcast. For sure, yeah. For you know, definitely. If anyone is interested in hosting a show, and it, maybe you've done hosting before, maybe you haven't. Maybe it's something you want to get into, especially right. with filmmaking. Definitely reach out to us. Um, and for that matter, if even if it's not filmmaking, you're just interested, talk to us. We probably know somebody who has something or knows something, or maybe we have something. Uh, you never know. I mean, we started a company, so <laughs> we might have something. Um, and I think that out. has been our dream for from the very beginning is being able to help other people start their own podcast. So even if we're not starting something right away, reach out. We definitely have plenty of information for you. Um, but uh, yeah, I would love to hear people's ideas on podcasts that they want to do. 
Um, and who knows, maybe it'll work out where we can actually start helping you guys. So, um, I think that uh, is a good segue into the end of the show because Eric and I have been talking about this just starting in the past couple of weeks about where we want New Lantern to go. Um, and I think adding new shows with, with people that have even never done a, done a podcast ever in their life, I, I honestly think that's a good start for New Lantern Media because uh, there are plenty of people out there that have no idea what to even start doing. So, Right. Um, Anything else that you can think of off the top of your head? Um, no, I, I think that covers everything for this week. All right. All right, folks. Well, if you're interested in starting a podcast with Eric, or if you have any ideas uh, that uh, you'd want to start a podcast, or even if you just want to pitch ideas to us, not even host a podcast, uh, you can reach out to uh, New Lantern Media One at gmail.com um you know the the emails for the other shows but uh, you can also reach us at paratruthradio at gmail.com uh beyond reason three at gmail.com so uh definitely check those shows out uh, uh the other shows on new lantern media as well but until next time folks where you'll find us same time same channel my name is justin and i'm eric peace Remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.